if you would, please turn with me. Matthew 7, 7 through 12. Matthew chapter 7, 7 through 12. This is on page 854 in the Pew Bibles. Matthew 7, 7 through 12. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and who seeks finds. And who who knocks it will be opened. Or what if a man among you who is asked his son, asked for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If then, being evil, know how, much, how, how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven, who is, uh, who is good, give the things you ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law of the prophets. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, again, we welcome you. It does encourage us that you're here, and we want to be encouragement to you. As a matter of fact, we want to be an encouragement to hundreds of people today. It is, we are the sermon day, and hundreds of us will be going out, and we will be doing good in the name of Jesus Christ. And even though many people around this community are not inside a church building today, our hope and our prayer is that they will hear a powerful sermon about God's love by the way that we live and by the way that we love them. And so we look forward to that. We're thankful for the opportunity. If you want to be involved in this and do not know uh, where to get connected, please, after uh, this, this service this morning, please uh, see any of us. Uh, we'll be hanging around the information center and we would like to uh, meet you and get you connected and you too can go out this afternoon and join in work that's being done. Uh, many of us will be going into in many different directions. And so for us to be able to come back tonight and to enjoy seeing what all has been done together collectively as a church family, but individually in many ways, if you have an iPhone or an iPad and you would take a short video clip of what you or your group is doing, and if you will email that to hardymoles at gmail.com, Hardison is going to take this afternoon and make a video. And uh, if you have an iPhone or iPad, it would work best with his formatting. And if you have an iPhone, if you'll turn it sideways and go landscape, that will work best too. And uh, we look forward to coming back tonight and seeing how God has been glorified. Also, we look forward to next Sunday, which is probably one of the most important Sundays of the year uh, for us as a church family. It's where we will spend hours and hours in prayer to God. Each Bible class will spend time in prayer. God, you go to your Bible class this morning. Your elder will be telling you uh, what time that you will be meeting next week. On Family Tree, you've already received a prayer request form. We would hope that everybody, each individual, would submit prayer requests on that day. On that day, we will be praying for each member. We'd love to know what you want us to pray for you. And then we'll be praying for each ministry. And then any other requests that come in, even from without, outside of the congregation, we'll be praying those. Uh, last year we did this and there were several of you that appreciated this. We also, uh, the elders will be praying uh, for prayers that are confidential. And so if you have something that you want only the eyes and the hearts of the elders to see and to know and to pray to God, that afternoon they'll be meeting also. And if you uh, take one of those forms and fold it and write on both sides that you fold confidential, the elders will be the only ones that will read that and will pray that. And uh, we're thankful. 
that we are a congregation that realizes all that we do is not by our power. Any good that we're involved in is because of God. It's because of the blessings of God. And we realize that if we're going to do any good the rest of this year, or if the Lord wills 2014, it's going to be because God blesses us. And we want on this day especially as an entire family to pause and to thank God for the things that have been good this past year and to lean upon God for the things in this coming year and give Him all the praise and the glory. And that's primarily the purpose of this day. And so we hope that all of us as a church family are humble enough to realize that that's where our blessings come from and that all of us will appreciate the opportunity to stop, to be still, and know who our God is. We look forward to that. It is interesting to think about how oftentimes in the scriptures, God links together service and prayer. When we think about service and prayer, I was writing this lesson on Thursday of this week. And as I was writing this, I received an email. And on this email, there was a video clip uh, of a newscast in the past few years. And it showed how prayer and service came together. I was going to tell you about that, but instead, if, if this works here, we're just going to show you the video clip and we'll go right into the lesson. anonymous businessman who travels the country at Christmas time, randomly going up to people in bus stations and thrift stores and handing out $100 bills. Are you lying? Crazy! Although the reactions are... Here is a little story to remind us what this time of year is supposed to be about. A story that Steve Hartman found on the road in Pennsylvania. Whether you believe in Santa Claus or God or fate, no matter what you believe, you're not going to believe what happened in Reading, Pennsylvania. All right, let's go. It began like all the other times. Every year I go out with Secret Santa, an anonymous businessman who travels the country at Christmas time, randomly going up to people in bus stations and thrift stores and handing out $100 bills. Are you lying? Although the reactions are priceless. Every year he spends sometimes more than $100,000 of his own money on this. Here's $100. And one thing I've always wondered is, oh, is it really worth it? You don't know what these people are going to do with this money. Do you care? No, <clears throat> because one of the things that I do is I do not judge. Good thing, because separating the naughty from nice and this is, for you. is definitely not his forte. I didn't earn that. You, you did earn it, because I can tell you're a good man. A good man? Yeah. When was the last time you heard that? 
maybe like uh, my mom. 30-year-old Thomas Coates is a total deadbeat, at least by most accounts, including his own. I wish I was Addicted to heroin, he recently hocked his own son's toys for drug money. That's how bad it is. I haven't worked over a year, you know. I spent so much time in and out of treatment facilities. Why his girlfriend hasn't left him and taken their son is a mystery, even to her. Grab your bag. But she is now running out of patience, which is why the night before we met him, during yet another one of their many money fights, she suggested he try something radical. She said, maybe you can shoot a prayer up to God real quick, you know? I know, you know, you, you don't really believe in him, but maybe you can start. And so he did pray for the first time since childhood. Take it, it's for you. Take it, take it. Then out of the blue, the saint shows up, slipping hundreds into his hand. You could almost see the wheels turning. That kind of kindness from a total stranger the day after he prayed. You're my man. See you, pal. It was too much of a coincidence for this atheist to bear. It's amazing. That to me was a miracle. That was God saying, all right, they had enough now. I'm going to show you something. So from here on out, it's up to me. After meeting Secret Santa, Thomas checked himself into a treatment facility. And although he's done it before, he says this will be the first time with a higher power at the helm. Maybe that gave him the hope that he needs to break his addiction. And maybe that'll be the turning point that it changed his life and maybe he won't go back. Now wouldn't that be worth it? Every penny. Steve Hartman, on the road, in Reading, Pennsylvania. That's the news. I don't know how it turned out for Thomas, but I know the principle is true. When we serve others, we oftentimes change lives. And oftentimes, service is what causes other people to begin looking to God. The text that we have just had read so a few minutes ago so capably, I'd like for you to think about how we make a mistake whenever we begin to separate those passages from each other. We have Jesus speaking at the end of the Sermon on the Mount and notice he said in verse seven to seek and to knock and to ask. And then we read down in verse nine, 10 and 11 and he gives us the illustration. He says, it's like you taking care of your children. Why would the heavenly father not be found if we seek him? Why would he not help us if we are knocking or asking? just like a father would do that. And then we go to the next verse and oftentimes teachers, preachers, readers, they immediately separate those two and treat them as if they're isolated verses. You see that next verse is what we oftentimes call the golden rule. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, you also do to them. For this is the law and the prophets. This morning, I beg you, I beg you to see these verses together. Imagine if what Jesus said is what Jesus meant. What if he said, what if you will rely wholly and totally upon me, so much so that you constantly ask, seek, and knock? And what if I give to you 
I give to you so that when you have the opportunity to do good to others, you always do good to others because after all, you know, the one that gave to you originally is the one that will replenish it over and over as long as we are giving. You see, when Jesus gave this golden rule, he gave it in such a way that the years prior to this, even centuries previously, there had been many statements made by philosophers and religious men that were similar, but they were all negative. Let me just quickly read for you many quotes and you can glance on the screen and see who is saying it and etc. Hillel said, what is hateful to yourself, do not to someone else. See the negative? What thou thyself hatest to no man do. As you wish that no evil befall you, but to be a partaker of all good things, so you should act on the same principle toward your subjects and offenders. Or let's go over to the Orientals. Look at Confucius. What do you, what you do not want done to yourself, do not do to others. Do not do to others the things which make you angry when you experience them at the hands of other people. What you avoid suffering yourself, don't inflict upon others. Or finally, the Stoics would say, what you do not want to be done to you, do not do to anyone else. Now I want you to hear Matthew 7 and 12 and listen how Jesus speaks of the positive. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. You see, all through the ages, men had addressed whatever hurts you, don't go out and hurt other people. Whatever you don't like people doing to you, don't go out and do to them. And Jesus makes it positive and then that somewhat makes it broader and he says, every day, everybody you meet, think of the opportunities where you could pause and say, what would you want them to do for me? Let me go out and let me do that also for them. Why? Why would Jesus teach this? Well, we maybe could guess at some things and we could look at some other teachings and we could probably have a pretty good idea. But notice how he closes the verse. He gives us insight to the purpose of his teaching here. He closes this by saying, for this is the law and the prophets. In other words, all the way through the scriptures, whether we're studying Old Testament or studying New Testament, what we find out very quickly is that to God, the most important thing is the first and second greatest commandment. You remember in Matthew, the 22nd chapter and 37, when they asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And then he says, this is the first and great commandment. He says, the second is likened to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now notice verse 40. In verse 40, he says, on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, what Jesus is teaching is that this infrastructure, if you will, that we are to live within, it all hinges upon these first two things. What's your relationship with God? What's your relationship with other people? Everything that God asks of us is going to have something to do with one or both of those commandments. Everything. The Ten Commandments under the Old Covenant. The first four of those Ten Commandments was dealing with man's relationship with God. The first greatest commandment. And then the 
last six of the Decalogue deal with man's relationship with each other. First and second greatest commandment. The Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is teaching many challenging things, but every word of the Sermon on the Mount is urging us to have our relationship with God and our relationship with others righteous. And so now He says, what do you want people to do to you? You go out and do that to others. That's why I've given you the law and the prophets. And when the new covenant comes, that's why we have these teachings. That's why God gives us commandments. He's trying to keep us healthy. Is your relationship with God healthy? Is your relationship with other people healthy? That's the plea to love one another as we would love ourselves. And then comes the realization. If everybody I look at I look to say, what would I want them to do of me? It's going to ask a lot of me. It's going to cost a lot. How could I ever do it? I don't have enough opportunity. I don't have enough times with all these opportunities. I don't have enough energy with all these opportunities. I probably don't have enough money for all these opportunities. How am I going to do it? And then drop back up to verse 7. And notice what he says, and it makes sense why this verse is here along with verse 12. And so in verse 7, he says, ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it'll be opened. A pause there. You do understand what he's talking about is ask God. Seek from God. Knock, and see if God will open up the door. The whole thing is dependency upon God. You're right. Individually, you do not have what it takes to fulfill the golden rule. You don't. If it was up to you alone, you'd run out of energy. You would run out of time. You would run out of money and resources. God's saying, maybe you need to realize what you have right now, it didn't come from you. If I gave it to you in the first place and you go out and do good with it, don't you think if you come back to me, I will replenish it so that you can get up tomorrow and you can go out and you can do good again? What a beautiful and humble concept. If we live that way, we recognize how often our knees have to hit the ground and we have to be fervent and humble in prayer to realize if I'm going to be who I need to be today, I need God to bless me. If I'm going to be able to give the way I need to give tomorrow and bless other people's lives, I need God to bless me. Look, I don't say this to discourage you. I say this to just try to really open up my heart in hopes that you'll look at your heart. If next Sunday we were having a big homemade ice cream supper, the majority of you would be there. But if we say we're going to set aside an hour to pray, a lot of you won't be there. We have a hard time believing that our whole existence is completely dependent upon God. If we recognize that the God who moves mountains 
could move in powerful ways in our life, but He says, I want you to ask. I want you to seek. I want you to knock. James 4, he teaches there's many things you're not going to have in your life that are good. And the reason you're not going to have them is because you never ask. What could the Mount Juliet congregation do for the glory of God? Probably no more than what we ask. How great will next Sunday be? Will we pray for little bitty things? Will we pray for only earthly and temporal things? Or will we pray huge prayers realizing that God says, you ask me and I will give it to you so that you in turn can go out and you can do great things for my cause. What have you asked about this afternoon? Oh, it's just an exercise we have at church. It's just something we do. No, it's not. Have you poured out your heart to God that souls would be touched, that God would be glorified, that somebody in this community would either at the end of this day or they'd get up and go to work tomorrow and they would see something and they would be touched and they would say, I need that kind of love in my life. I need that kind of heart. What those Christians at Mount Juliet Church of Christ have showed me, they have shown me that I need God. But if we don't ask it, and we don't seek it, and we don't knock it, God doesn't promise to give it. And so what's interesting is with His purpose of the golden rule where He says, I'm just trying to get you healthy. I'm trying to get you to be close to me and close to others. And we say, well, how could we fulfill that? Lord, that is demanding. And He says, I know it is. That's why I've just told you. Ask me. I can give you everything you need to do it. Seek me and my will. I can make it happen for you. Knock. Notice how each one of these is a little more active. Ask. I can stand still and ask. Seek. I can ask and look around with my eyes. Knock is where I'm asking, I'm seeking, and I've gone into motion. The Lord is not saying, I'll do great things. You just sit still. The Lord is saying, I'll be a partner with you. If you want to get into action and you want to do the work of the kingdom, listen, this promise is for God's children that are willing to serve others unselfishly. That's what 7 through 12 of Matthew 7 is about. God's children that's willing to serve others unselfishly. And so we look at this purpose and we look at this promise that He makes. And He says, will it help you if I illustrate it? And look at verse 9, 10, and 11. Notice what He says. He gives us a pattern and He says, what man is there among you if his son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. That day and time, where they, the culture, their flower would have been very pale. And the limestone rock around Israel would have also been pale. It would have been easy for a small stone to a child to look just like a small piece of bread. Imagine a father where a child sincerely asks, Dad, can I have a piece of bread? I'm hungry. And imagine a father reaching over in full deception and picking up a rock and watching his son break his tooth. And Jesus is saying, none of you fathers would do that. He turns around and he gives another example. And he says in verse 10, or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? 
Now you say, well, the serpent's going to bite him. Well, most people don't serve live snakes when it comes time to eating. He's probably talking about a cooked snake. And so then that even brings across another teaching. What, what was the teaching? A fish could have been clean. Remember, they're living under the old law. Deuteronomy 11th chapter, they had dietary laws. A snake would have been unclean to eat. He very well could have been teaching what could have been understood by the Jews listening to this. Is, is could have been the idea of, oh, give him a snake. No, that's unclean. Maybe what Jesus was saying with the first analogy is, you as a father, you do not do things that hurts your child physically. And then the very next analogy, you don't do things that hurt your child spiritually. And then he asked this powerful question. If you then being evil. Now how, how to give good gifts to your children, but you know how to give, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Do we believe it? We find a pretty good measure of confidence that we can take care of our children. I know sometimes that can be challenging, but still, you see what Jesus' analogy is here. You believe that when your children ask something of you that, that you can offer them something that won't hurt them physically, it won't hurt them spiritually? And he says, don't you believe that the heavenly Father, who is almighty, he's perfect, he's all loving, don't you believe that he can do what he says that he can do? As we close this lesson, I'd like for you to look with me, 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. I'd like for you to just see another passage because maybe there's somebody here and, and you're thinking, that's a stretch. I, I don't know if I buy that or not. All right, let's, let's look one more time. And we don't have time to develop this. But I just want you to think about why does God give us what he gives us? In 2 Corinthians 9 and 6, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. The sowing here is going to be how much do we give? Listen, God replenishes. You give just a little bit, God will replenish just a little bit. You sow bountifully, God will replenish bountifully. Verse 7, this is what he loves. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or necessity. God loves a cheerful giver. Now, notice how verse 8 makes it all very clear. And God is able. Paul's right there. Is that your heavenly father? You think you're able to take care of your children? Don't you think God is able to take care of his children? God is able to make all grace, and the grace is the generous gifts. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. God generously gives so that we have generous gifts to give to others. What if... This was our epitaph. Look at verse 9. As it is written, He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, may He who supplies seed. Where, where did you get that that you're going to give this afternoon? Many of you, most of you probably are going out and doing something good this afternoon. Where did you get the energy to do that? Oh, I've just been taking care of my... No. God gave you the energy. The breath you're inhaling right now is because God gave it to you. God doesn't have to take your next breath. He just can decide not to give you your next breath. 
the home you live in, the health that you enjoy, the energy you have, the money you have, the car you have. Everything you have is a gift from God. God is the one who supplies the seed, the gift. In other words, are we going to plant it within ourselves or are we going to plant it somewhere else? So notice now, verse 10, may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. That's what we want to do in our life. Increase the fruits of our righteousness. Why? Please get this. Get verse 11. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality. In other words, everything God has given you generously. Now be liberal with it. Why? Which causes thanksgiving through us to God. God gives to us so we can spread fruits of generosity to others. Notice the end. So that others will say, thank God. Did you get that? God gives to us so that we'll give to others, so others will say, thank God. This morning, I want to ask you, how do you view giving? Do you see your responsibility as a child of God? That the golden rule is the rule that you and I are to live by every day in every situation. When we really start to grasp that, it will send us to our knees because we will realize that God is asking a significant measure out of us. And God says, seek me. Just ask, seek, and knock. I will give you generously. You go out and you bear fruits of righteousness so that people will come back and say, thank God that person helped me. I hope this afternoon your eyes are open. We got designated places we're going, but maybe on the way you may see somebody else that you can stop and help. Let's have our eyes open every day. And let's realize that the one who gave us all that we have in the first place is the one that can replenish it every time we do good with it. Our relationship with God it's never about us hoarding. It's about us giving. What a wonderful opportunity we have this afternoon. Let's go out and live that golden rule. Let's glorify God. And let's be prayerful. Let's bow. Most gracious God, we ask you, God, to bless us this afternoon that in all that we do, you will receive the glory. We pray, God, that our motives are pure. And we pray recognizing that if we truly are generous as you have taught us, that we must come back to you and ask for more. God, we pray that you'll give us wisdom to be good stewards. Help us to trust you. God, we thank you for this congregation. We thank you for the opportunities that you give us to be in your family together to work in your family together, to enjoy each other's fellowship in your family together, and even times of worship such as this. And God, our prayer is that we will stand only upon your truth and that the motive of love would move us in everything that we do. And that you 
and only you will be lifted high. God, we pray for success this afternoon. And it's through your son's name we pray. And amen.